0: Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is John McElroy. John was a U.S. Army Ranger, Green Beret, and is currently a U.S. military freefall instructor in Yuma, Arizona. His military career spans 10 total deployments where he is awarded the Purple Heart and two Bronze Stars for valor. Throughout his career, his side hustle has always been the stock market, leveraging day trading, swing trading, and long-term holds. John, 99% of the dudes out there will only get to do what you do in video games. You get paid to do it every single day, dude. I'm pumped to have you on, bro. Tonight's going to be a great conversation. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to make this happen.
1: Absolutely, Jesse. I am i couldn't be happier to be here. I uh, appreciate the invite. and um, Hopefully, I can give something back to the community, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, dude. And that's all we do here is add in value. And I think your story is incredible, not just, you know, the investing part, but obviously your military career has been extremely expansive and, and all the organizations you've served with. I mean, for the people who don't know you, John, if you could take a couple of minutes and just introduce yourself and, and kind of how you got to today.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I was born and raised in uh, New York, you know, forgive me if you will. Uh, dude, but what, I was in Syracuse.
0: Dude, I'm from Albany. I, I didn't even know nice. that. Dude, yeah. Sorry about <laughs> I never uh, interrupted during their intro. Sorry about that, but had no... No, had no, come, you're fine. Yeah, had no fucking idea, dude. That's funny, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I left uh, New York when I was about 16, 17. That was right after 9-11. Um, I actually dropped out of high school. Uh, I wasn't on a good path, like, whatsoever. Uh, everything I was doing was prison this way, success this way. I, I was going the wrong way. Uh, but anyway... Dropped out, went to a military school, got my GED, enlisted in the military at 17, uh, been in the military ever since. And it basically raised me to be a, a grown man. Um, after my enlistment, I uh, went straight to the Ranger Regiment. Within a year, I was deployed, and I basically deployed all the way for the next 10 years. Uh, it was probably around 48 months total, but you know, split in half and all, that, all the good deployment stuff. Uh, I served from PFC all the way up to platoon sergeant, 375. Left 375, um, went to sniper school to become an instructor uh, at the United States Army Sniper School. Uh, Spent about eight months there. And then from there, I went to Special Forces selection and assessment, got picked up. Now I'm in SF. Spent three years at uh, B23, which is their CRIF. Uh, After that, uh, puts me about right here. And um, I've been a military free fall instructor for coming on two years. It's been that long, maybe, yeah, 2019, yeah. So, uh, and that's been fantastic and phenomenal. The people out here are great. SF's great. I haven't had a bad experience in the military. You know, somebody's going to slap me from the side, but, um, it's been, it's been really good uh, along the way. Uh, I've met some really smart people that have taught me some things and, um, basically put me where I am right now. And I couldn't be happier, uh, financially and, uh, emotionally and spiritually, you know what I mean? So, um, hopefully we can deep dive some of the good stuff. And if I, if I feel like you're leaving something out, I'll, I'll be free to inject.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And your military career, I mean, so many different incredible organizations. I'm, I'm curious. I mean, lessons learned even from that PFC to platoon sergeant time in the 75th. And as you transitioned into SF, I mean, these are organizations that obviously demand a high level of attention to detail, extreme work ethic, I mean, mental toughness. Are there any like skills or traits that you took from that, that you apply to your life today? Or, or what are some important maybe skills that you learned earlier in your life, just having exposure to those organizations?
1: Well, I'd say uh, what attracted me was the um, intensity as far as the training goes and not not intensity isn't like physical or demand. It was more the pace, right? It kept me going, which kept my problematic self out of trouble because I was focused on getting the next job done. And the ranger regiment did a really good job keeping me focused, personally, uh, and away from problems. Uh, so I like to think. Um, and after I spent about three years in the ranger regiment, I kind of like did a look around, and I'm like, wow, a lot of these, a lot of these guys are a lot like me as far as mindset goes. And I'm, you know, I was curious, like how, how are we all so like minded, uh, working at the same place at the same time, doing the same thing? Uh, which I was never able to answer, but I was, you know, in the audience very appreciative, um, of that. And then since the PFC through team leader time, where I started to transition into the junior leadership in the military, I started to pick up on uh, other indicators that helped me realize, you know, the strengths that I was actually building, which were, you know, work ethic and discipline are the, probably the two biggest things, uh, largest takeaways that I can um, remember from coming from the Ranger Regiment. Because uh, with the discipline, um, it goes hand in hand, in my opinion, with work ethic. Like you can have the greatest work ethic all you want. But if you're not disciplined and keeping it that way, you're not going to get anywhere and goals aren't going to be accomplished. And goals is is another, um, I'm going to use that as a segue, uh, that range regiment is really good at they have short-term midterm long-term goals one of my first interviews uh when i got there and you know it was like uh my my squad leader's like hey why'd you come to the range regiment right uh and i was like well i don't know and he he broke it down he's like well what's your short-term goal medium and then long term so i explained it and then from there it basically continued that and it just perpetuated itself throughout every aspect of my life um which brought me to becoming the squad leader, um, the weapon squad leader, going to the platoon sergeant at the time. And, uh, it just, I just kept trying to give it back. Like, Hey, this is what was taught to me. This is what I thought was right. Lessons learned from all the wrongs. So I just try to keep everything going down the right path. So I, uh, in my perception, and then, uh, from there, went to that, uh, sniper school yeah i mean that's incredible and
0: i i love the mentality of it, it is an incredible organization of always keeping what are their whether it's a short term long term goal or whatever to have that influence i mean earlier in life i think is pretty awesome and then the mentality of giving back too is is super powerful and even i, I was a fires guy so i was an fso there but i mean the what you learn from the ncos in that organization is is so incredible obviously you being a weapons squad leader um you know the first thing I did was, was picking that weapon squad leaders, you know, brain or the senior NCOs in that company, you know, asking them what, what can I do to be an asset of this team? So it's an incredible organization with, with the greatest non-commissioned officers in the world. So I think that influence is just so powerful as you're transitioning into your SF and and senior free fall career. I'm, I'm curious, I mean, major kind of, were there any friction points kind of transitioning from that lifestyle to the different lifestyle in SF or as you're a free fall instructor or was it pretty seamless? I'm, I'm curious.
1: Absolutely. Um, it was actually a kind of a transition period for um, both like deployments uh, and for my family. Uh, my wife and I were trying to um, have our first kid and it was a personal um, milestone of mine to, hey, I, I don't want to call it a milestone, but it was like a barrier if you would. I don't want to deploy with children, you know, God bless your souls for everybody who has, I don't know how you've done it. Thank you for your service. Uh, but that was, wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, and it was right at around the time I was at, I think my, my 10th deployment. So I decided, um, we had to go through IUI treatments and stuff like that, uh, to get our first born. And I decided, Hey, now's the time. So I transitioned over to uh, sniper school because, you know, I just finished sniper school and it was a good, um, take a, take a break, so to speak. And that transition, um, it didn't hit me immediately. I think the the pace, uh, the realization of how the pace slowed down, uh, actually hit me after I finished the Q course and got to um, B two three and third group, uh, where I was like, "Well, you know, the deployments and the go go go, it's not really here." Uh, so I had a, I definitely had a transition period and trying to find my new direction, right? So, um, and that was a challenge all in itself. Um, shooting kept me occupied. I had plenty of the same hobbies. Uh, there was there was really no change to the mentality of the guys that were in SF. Uh, maturity level, uh, as far as like a baseline, I'd say they have an um, a older crowd, so to speak. Um, so they have a very, very broad spectrum of, hey, these are the caliber of guys that we can get and put together to get the team going. Um, but I know it was... Probably around the 2018, 2019 periods where I started to realize okay, I finally had breakthroughs for the family getting my daughter born. And she came to us in May of 2019. Uh, and then from there, uh, I did two operational deployments with B23. Uh, we were uh, board staged, and that was six months, which you know the deployments aren't hard to go by at all. Like it's easy. Um, uh, but once I had her, I'm like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. So I got to check out. So I hung my hat. And, uh, by that time I was already hooked line of sinker with skydiving, uh, and that married up perfectly with what, uh, SF had to offer as far as instructional roles go. So hopped on that train real quick, got out here to New Arizona, and now I'm a football instructor.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, an incredible, expansive career that, I mean, spanned over 10 deployments. I mean, there's nothing, I mean, hanging your hat up is like, I mean, can you even call it that? Obviously, it was incredible. What you did with those organizations was incredible and and speaks for itself, Um when looking at kind of like how investing played into this, I mean, was there an initial in, in, and I'm curious if it was in that 10 to planet period, or maybe it was even back in the 75th, like where was that initial, I, I guess, like spark of maybe like looking other places to make money if in the stock market or like, where's that initial spark to like, look elsewhere to find like financial
1: opportunity. It's a pretty funny story to me, actually. Hopefully it's funny to everybody else, but uh, I was 24. And for whatever reason in my head, throughout all those deployments, I was like, man, in a way I'm gonna make it 24. Well, suddenly I was 24 is around 2008, I was in Baghdad. And um, I'm like, man, what do I do? I, I made it, you know, I'm still here. So I decided like, hey, I need to start saving money. And um, I started deep diving to the TSP uh, on my own, you know, and then, you know, in typical Ranger fashion, you become the expert of everything. Uh, until you're not. So I started asking questions. I found um, a nice a, a mentor. He was actually a PL at the time, Justin Johansson. I'm gonna name drop because he was awesome. He changed my life. But he helped me through the process of the TSP. Uh, once I started with the TSP, I realized, wow, you know, and that was about three years of just TSP saving uh, intermittently. In that three-year period, I started a, um, a Roth IRA uh, with USA. And, you know, that was my Diversification in my head. So then, years go by. Of course, you know every few months I peek into the TSP and I I either see awesome, it's way up, or oh man, what happened in December of nineteen? Geez. And then I think after those few years to get me up to nineteen, I really didn't get into it, but nineteen is right right when I started getting in in on it and heavy because I noticed what happened with the market uh, in December. And you know I was down. I was down a lot. And I'm pretty sure everybody else was too. And I was like, "Wow, what happened?" And I started asking more questions, digging into it, reading books, um, reading more books. Uh, but it just turned itself into okay. Well, I've been putting some money away into my Roth IRA, and I have this amount. I had some friends that were like, "Well, I trade. You know, uh, these are the things that I'm looking at and interest." So I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. I transferred that Roth IRA over to TD Ameritrade, or you know, pick a brokerage, and started trading on my own. Uh, and at the beginning, of course, I was basically a meme stock trader. You know, like what's the new hotness? Well, I learned quickly. Um, if I hear about it in the news, I'm already too late. And then I started reeling it back. Uh, I've had I had great success at the beginning. Uh, if you you can you know look at the chart and you can see the great success at the beginning and then the trailing off and then I started finding my niche and my niche I think has been um, pulled from a few uh, key individuals in my life. They one aspect is hey invest long term and have a little bit on the side to go aggressive with. Uh, but in my particular situation, because I have the TSP, that's my conservative. Like I go. I'm very heavily weighed into the TSP, but monthly I still add, you know, to my fun account, so to speak. Um, and then with my Roth, I just basically want to build wealth like wealth and how I'm doing that is a mixture of short-term long-term and midterm trades. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, super interesting. I'm, I'm curious. And I love what you said. I think it was, if you hear about it in the news, you're too late. Like, what are some steps people should be taking? Or, like, when it comes to researching, I guess, what do you do to research the stocks that
1: you invest in? What does that process look like? Well, um, just like everybody else, we get it, we hear it from our friend first, right? So that sparks the interest. And um, I think he, by human nature, slowly I've realized we are very easy and quick to see how easy it could be worth X amount of dollars, aka making us money. Um, so what i started doing is applying a deliberate process where like okay i received the information this stock we'll call it ticker whatever and i'll look at it and i will look on my own without any kind of community forum no kind of online anything other than the facts and the articles okay then i'll kind of cross-reference that across um like hey what's the um competition what does that look like where is the room for growth um, so I'll find all the perks and then after I get all the perks and I'm like, okay, this is something that I want to buy into because I think it has value. Um, then I dig as hard as I can to find anything, uh, as far as like a bear sentiment would go, that would be like, Hey, here's a red flag. You know, like I wouldn't buy this because they have an ongoing, you know, lawsuit is the ongoing lawsuit routine business, or is it something uh, that I should keep an eye on? Uh, and that'll help me weigh how, how large of a position I put into something. Yeah. I mean, it's,
0: it's interesting. And the reason I ask is I feel like we live in a world today of like, you know, 21 year old or 20 year old kids, like in the GameStop fiasco or like they're on wall street bets or they're on Reddit or they're trying to find like the next, you know, penny stock that can go to the moon and stuff like that. I mean, any, any thoughts on that or people that might be chasing what I'd refer to as maybe like a pipe dream
1: or something like that? I mean, I think we all have that in, like built in us, you know, it I like I like the idea and what Wall Street Bets is behind. Like I support that. Uh, what I've started to notice, and this isn't—I'm not a professional. Don't yeah. get—you know, this but, isn't um,
0: financial but, advice, or this isn't. You're yeah. not a CPA, yeah.
1: So what I what i have started to notice as far as trends go, because I watch it on the you know community forums. I, I follow Reddit, of course, and then I also use StockTwits. And with StockTwits, they have trending, right? Um, and data and algorithms. You know, nothing's free. Uh, that all ties into it, but. Basically, what I'm trying to say is when a meme stock hits, you know, and this isn't GME or GameStop, it's like Ocugen or Pick the Flavor of the Week, they're pumping dumps recently. And it's catching a lot of people in bad places. So while I love the volatility and I'll sell it plus two percent, plus ten percent, whatever makes me happy, um, based off of what my risk was going in, um people, people become bag holders, right? So the only thing that I would like recommend to even to my best friends, like, Hey, before you buy that, at least look to make sure the company's fundamentals are are at least okay. And I'm not a professional on company fundamentals. I read that in the intelligent investor by, is it Graham? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. It. Yep. I love that book, but uh, the company fundamentals uh, means something different to everybody. So what fundamentals are you looking for? Do they have good PR do they have a solid sheet? Uh, what does their debt look like? How are their financials? That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, and I'm on StockTwits too, like every day, and it's it's crazy the FOMO that can build from like just. People, I think people like we live in this world of like instant gratification. If you think different, I, I'd love to hear your, your opinion. Like we live in this world of instant gratification, where it's like like FOMO can just make people go crazy, and it's like I've got to buy, I've got to put like ten thousand dollars into this stock right now, and it like it drives these these you know crazy prices that sometimes you know forces people to become bag holders or dump quickly. Um, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, the concept of FOMO. I mean, any thoughts on yeah. that on how that kind of I mean, have you ever been caught up in that personally? Absolutely. Or, yeah.
1: yeah, I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't. Um, FOMO, uh, my first FOMO experience, um, I was in a, a stock, it was before it did a um, I, I think it was a merge, something like that. But anyway, it was a biopharmaceutical. I was very early into investing and it basically ran it from 77 cents all the way up to four dollars and fifty cents. And I had a large amount of money in. It was me and another uh, Ranger buddy. And of course, we're on the phone every day like, dude, do we sell? You know, he's like, I could pay off my house. And I was like, dude, I can pick up that sweet Denali. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, we basically wrote it to the news, right? Uh, and the news came out and it wasn't the news that the market was looking for. And I learned how hard it is to sell, right? When The, the flagpole was going straight down and I couldn't hit the sell button quick enough. Uh, but I still came out on, you know, on top and that taught me a couple valuable lessons like, hey, take profits along the way. Um, that's huge for me, uh, unless it's a, like an investment that I'm leaving it in there for for a long period because of a timeline goal. Uh, and my other rule is like, hey, if I'm not taking profits along the way, at least when, you know, if it's a volatile penny stock, I'll take my principal out and I call it house money. You know what I mean? And I'll just let the house money run to the event, if it's a catalyst or to the timeline that I was looking to, to hold it for. But FOMO, uh personally, it it for me it's quick. I, it either starts to happen that day um and I'll keep it in overnight, or I'll either sell it a loss or whatever small gain that I get that day. And I don't care what you know the community says when people have paper hands, you know, yes, paper hands is the idea so we can fill in the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, no, that's true. And like I said, I'm on these
0: websites too. And it's like, sometimes people are just posting the craziest thing. And I know that like there are people out there that probably just want to drive the stock up so that they can Absolutely. dump quickly and make money. So it, it's crazy. Just this world we live in. I saw this awesome meme the other day. It was like a picture of like, you know, a millionaire in the 1970s. And it's like a dude wearing like a three piece suit. Um, like a skyscraper office. And then it's like the 2021 millionaire. It's some, you know, 18 year old kid in his like parents' basement. So it's Traded just crazy. Options. Yeah. yeah. Traded <laughs> options. It's crazy. But uh, I, I was curious, you've talked about it already a little bit, but, you know, short-term holds versus versus long-term holds, John. I mean, what are the different aspects? And I guess in your own portfolio, what makes something maybe a quick short-term hold? maybe something that you hold for the day or a few days or a few weeks and what makes something like a long term multiple year play i'm
1: i'm curious your thoughts so i'm i'm not uh, versed on you know rotations and cyclicals and you know but what i am pretty keyed up on is like hey what's moving right now and i use a combination of reddit stock twits and scanners but if i find a company that i'm familiar with and i am confidently not confident enough to invest uh, but if it's moving uh, i'll have no issues and that's where a little bit of fomo kicks in where i'll be like okay hey it's starting to move a little earlier than i thought boom i'll slap some initial payment, you know initial payment down or a starter position uh, and then run with it as far as hey where's the strength um where's the resistance points and support kind of thing um and for for like day trades and stuff like that if i FOMO buy, you know, cause I'm guilty. I'll still do it. I'll do it tomorrow. I don't care. Uh, but if I FOMO buy something, um, it's most likely going to be closed that day. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And it's like, I, I don't think there's any cookie
0: cutter answer and I, I just love hitting everybody. Like whenever I have a stocks guy on, like, w- what's the difference composition of your portfolio and how do you kind of leverage that? It's, it's always really interesting. And, and I, oh, I okay. like what you said with the FOMO piece. It's like, it, it's closed that day, which, which is like, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's FOMO. We're all at fault of it, and it, it happens to everyone. Um, when it when it comes to the concept of swing trading, and now this question on my end, I honestly don't even know. I guess what exactly is swing trading, and, and how does that play into
1: your current portfolio? So um, I I did a swing trade last year on crude oil. I used UCO. I'm not going to keep throwing tickers out there. I wouldn't personally recommend buying UCO right now. I've already I've already sold. Um, However, uh, it was a friend, he's like, hey, the, the play is one year on UCO and I bought it pre-reverse split. That was my entry, a reverse split. And then I went ham on it. I sold you know, way too early, so to speak. I had good profits, right? Took about four or five months, swing trade. That's what I would call a swing trade. Uh, right now I'm in a company um, and for more specific timelines, so to speak, because there's no exact timeline for me. But the technicals were indicating hey this thing's gonna it, it did a death cross right so after a death cross it's gonna drop pop and drop uh so to speak well it actually played out that way i sold that pop uh had some good profit decent profits um and then it dropped hand over fist popped up again and now we're waiting on the uptrend for the 12-month hold on uh, that started four months ago but I did the swing, so I was able to re-enter at a lower price and get more shares with more money. So yeah. that, that was my swing trade.
0: Oh, okay. That's yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. How you were able to leverage the up and the down in order to kind of add more shares and stuff like that. That's super interesting.
1: It was, and it was pre- I'm sorry to inter- interrupt you. But just just to clarify. There, it was a risk that I took to close the position because it could have kept kept going up. Uh, where where I sold it because it was on the up, right? And I was like, ooh, like if I sell and it continues to climb, now I got to think about, hey, where am I going to re-enter? Which is going to be at a higher price, which would value it less shares. So it was a risky move. It it worked out this time, you know. I can't complain about it, but uh, I'm still holding. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's interesting and it all comes back to risk and, and what you're willing to uh, incur in order to secure the investment. But the the one thing I love about this, and I feel like we've we've kind of talked about it a lot, but it's like, I feel like somebody out there could really just start doing this on their own. I mean, putting in a couple hours a week in order to get started if they have $100 or if they have $1,000 or something like that. I mean, any, any thoughts on your end? And, and I guess how much research or how many hours do you kind of pump into this a week to kind of keep this running and keep this going. I mean, are you on the computer hours a day, or is this like
1: whatever two hours, you know, every night before you go to bed? Well, I what I, what I'd like to do is start out with um, how you know how to start, right? That's kind of uh, it's very important, especially for the generations that I'm reading nowadays. Of uh, you know, we have wage issues and you know work problems, and people can't figure out how to save money, and you can't start without saving, right? Um, of course, we're all guilty of it. I read a book, and that's literally what I've framed my my saving with. Um, it's basically pay yourself first, right? So if the if the US government takes your taxes before you get your check, that's because they don't trust you enough to pay them, right? So you should take a lesson out of the professional's book and do that for yourself by having an allotment or an automatic withdrawal from your paycheck to your savings account or your investment account, whatever it is. So that. Way you're able to budget your bills after you pay yourself. And then at the very end of that, you have your walking around money. And from your walking around money, that's how you can gauge, like, hey, I need to, you know, reel it back on how much I'm saving or I can save more. Um, but as far as the time spent per week, um, I, you know, since we're jumping every day, you know, we six lifts a day, I check it a lot, right? Uh, and that's just looking at what my numbers are doing, you know, three four three four times a day. Um, uh, as soon as I get home, I'll uh, hop on it, maybe 30, 40 minutes, uh, maybe an hour, depending on what, what's going on with the family, just to check to see what kind of news happened. If there's anything circulating in the, um, community base that, uh, I'm interested in. Uh, but other than that, as soon as that market bell opens, it my you know, it's either my phone or my computer's on just to see like, Hey, what's happening. Uh, and that's, that varies either, you know, a couple minutes just to look at it or, Uh, be on there for 30, 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, the concept you brought up is super important and it's awesome. I'm paying yourself first. I mean, we talk about that all the time in real estate and how powerful that is too. And through real estate, you can depreciate real, I don't know if you know, but you can depreciate real estate to get like tax benefits and stuff like that, which is super crucial. But I mean, that concept of paying yourself first and starting with the right saving habits, before you start investing is it's only going to lead to greater success uh i'm curious i mean have you ever thought about options trading or anything like that or or do you touch that at all or not
1: so i haven't had the time to research options yet my my life's taken me this way i have to go this way for a while uh i have a resource that he's offered me his time to teach me options and uh he's a um financial advisor in another state um anyway so what he does is I'm not going to get into the weeds of it, but he's been uh, keeping logs of his trades. And all he wants to do annually is beat the uh, S&P. Um, and some months he's down, some months he's up, uh, but he basically hedges his, his bets, so to speak. So regardless, he's able to pull. He's not looking for the lotto tickets, a couple points here and there, and he yanks it. Uh, and he's pretty successful, but he offered his his time for me and it just hasn't lined up yet.
0: Yeah, no, super interesting. We I had I had one of my buddies on who is one of those like options trading gurus, crazy kids yeah. who made like millions of dollars in the whole GameStop fiasco. But I always pick dudes' brains. I mean, it's an intriguing thing to me. I don't fully understand it um yet, but I would love to dig into it more and, and research and obviously have you back on like next year when uh you do go down that path, it'd be super interesting. But I don't I don't fully comprehend or or understand it yet. It's a little complex. Maybe it's like more major league than just like buying a single stock. I don't know if you agree or. or I, think uh, we're,
1: I think we're both similar when we look at it, like, Oh, look at the hieroglyphics. But in, and in, in honesty, it's, it's a simple concept. It's just, you have to apply yourself to learn the fundamental and I haven't applied myself yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great way to
0: put it. Um, I, I just got a couple more things I want to run by you before we, uh, wrap up here and, and not so much stock trading related, but I, I just want to hit you with some mindset things and get your thoughts on it. Uh, you know, again, going back to your military career, you know, being a Ranger, a Green Beret, now free fall instructor, like I, I like looking at the psychology of winning and then also like the psychology of quitting and, and why people quit or maybe don't make it, whether it's on like the path of financial freedom or if it's like a tough military selection process. Like I, I'm curious, John, in your own career, I mean, what are your thoughts on why people quit or, or maybe why people don't have what it takes or? the grit or, or whatever it is to kind of make it to
1: the end state or make it to the end journey. It's a pretty difficult question to answer. Um, I think I can um, hit the wave tops a little bit with uh, the mindset is where it begin, where you begin the event, right? Whether it's a selection event or a physical event, something like that, your mindset at the beginning is what is going to set you up for success or failure. Um, quitting along the way, I, and this is just my personal opinion is, uh, led by two factors, your mindset going in, you already had an out. So if you don't give yourself the option by even considering like, okay, what happens if I quit? Right. Or what happens if I don't make it? Um, I feel like you're setting yourself up for failure. So for me, how I've always done it, what I've never seen failure, I've never quit. Right. And it's not because I'm super awesome or something like that. It's just I've never thought about, hey, what's gonna happen if I don't make it because I was just focused on the task at hand, the short term medium term long-term goals to get me there to finish to complete whatever school or you know event it was. Um, but what you can find yourself is while you're doing a, an event, whether it's a shorter or long term event, you can find that you start giving yourself doubts, right whether it was on deployments, or, you know, a tough school. Um, you can, every one of us has felt like, man, yeah, I can throw this in right now. Like when I was in Ranger school, I would have handed that tab right back for a double cheeseburger while I was in Florida fact, but they would have had to offer it to me. You know what I mean? Like I wanted a cheeseburger from McDonald's. They didn't offer me, you know, anyway. Um, but it's built there. Right. So, how I've been able to manage that it's, it's kind of, you know, it's borderline sociopath like, Hey, this guy didn't make it. Well, you know, okay, he didn't make it. You know, I don't feel sorry for him. We're all here trying to do the same thing, but I basically feel like I'm stronger, smarter, faster, stronger than you. So that pushes me and propels me um, with, you know, an attrition rate. Um, but when we don't have areas that give us attrition rates and we run into, hey, I am trying to punch out like this, this is not for me, this long enduring task. Um, that's when you have to reel it back in really quick and remind yourself, this is what you came here for. This is, these are what your goals are. Focus on the positives, stay away from the negatives because it will only continue to perpetuate itself until you finally quit. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And I think it's like having that deep rooted why of like why you're there. And and I think that's a little bit, a little bit, at least a piece of what you're getting at. But like when it's, you know, four o'clock in the morning at Ranger School, pitch black, and it's pissing rain and 38 degrees out. It's like having that why in that moment of why this is all worth it and why this is going to culminate to something greater than the moment I'm in right now. But when I when I look at real estate and like even in what we've done in our own careers, it's like the in my mentality is like I tell myself, is like the only way that I'm not going to make it is if I quit. And there's no way that I'm ever going to quit. And I feel like you feed off of that, too, that it's just never an option. Um, that all we see is the way forward in that in that we're going to be successful. So that's super interesting. I mean, to hit you with that question just means a lot. And, and again, you've been through a bunch of selection processes and, and double-digit deployment. So it was super intriguing to hit you with that question. Uh, I'm also curious, like being a free fall instructor and I look at like people overcoming fears and stuff like that. And maybe people have the fear of heights who go to free fall school. I don't know if, if uh, that's actually a thing, but I mean, helping people overcome their fears, John, ha- have you ever had, I guess people like afraid of heights go to free fall school. And are there any kind Absolutely. of like crazy stories of like has, has anybody ever like refused to jump? I don't I don't know if you're allowed to tell us or not. Though.
1: Well, no, um, there have been jump refusals. You know, it's it's just like static line. Um, the fear of heights is uh, basically you know what you view as a fear of heights. Like I can't stand on ladders without being like okay, yeah, if I'm on a ladder. Uh, it's not a fear of height. I respect it. Um, but for the guys that and, and gals that I, I put through of course there's a fear, right? Uh, you're, you're t- you're jumping out of an airplane going 120 miles an hour at 13,000 feet. Um, and the, the military aspect, you know, they put a, a face paint on and say, Oh, I'm tough. I can do it. But in reality, it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty exciting event, so to speak. So, um, when I see their face on the ramp and they have the fear, uh, all that does for me is like, Hey, I gotta, you know, make sure I'm doing my job and I'm staying with the person. And then just give them to the relax, smile, and take their mind off of whatever is occupying it at the time.
0: Yeah, that's that's crazy. And I was just curious if, like people ever uh, – yeah, I mean, I mean I've mean, i never jumped out of a plane that high. I mean, I, I, I feel like I would – the first time, I think I would be freaked out at first. But I think that the exhilaration – and obviously, you've done it probably – I mean, how many free-fall jumps do you have? I, I assume multiple hundreds. Yeah, I'm, I'm like
1: right around 800 right now.
0: 800 that's insane that is that is the coolest fucking thing ever but i feel like i don't know if you think back to number one if you were nervous or not but i i feel like that's a big part of maybe not just being a free fall instructor but on this wealth journey helping people overcome those fears that anybody can do what you do anybody can do what i do it's just taking the action taking the right fundamental steps like you brought up to help
1: people overcome it but That's super cool. That mindset, that that definitely ties into it. Cause um, like you said, with the first jump, uh, of course, you know, I was through the roof, excited. I'm a really energetic person uh, to to begin with. And I get to, the edge of the ramp and none of the fear set in because in my mind, all I can think about was, all right, I have to jump out like this. And then I have to do this, this, this," and I was just mission focused, so to speak or goal oriented. Um, And keeping that goal oriented, oriented uh, mentality helped me um, be successful with that task.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's like staying focused on the goal, fixated on the goal is what kind of got you through that moment and, and whatever. And obviously you made a career out of it. And it's probably been like one of the best decisions you've ever made last military question. I, I want to hit you with, and I'm just curious, the composition, when it comes to the black daggers, I assume that were those gentlemen or those guys and gals, were they all prior free fall instructors or do, how do they pull,
1: I guess, to compose that team? So they have, they have their own, um, selection process. Oh, and okay. It's basically like an application process for use sock, and anybody can apply based off of the criteria that they release. So, um, whether you have jumps or not, that's all dependent on what they're asking for.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Do they pull instructors from the free fall school or is it, I, like you said, I assume it's all across UCSAC.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, yes and no. So they, they don't, they're not looking for a certain category. They're looking for a certain person to fill that role, whether it's a free fall instructor or it's a jump qualified or non-jump qualified. Don't quote me on that. Um, that's their selection criteria. Typically what happens to the military free fall, uh, instructors that go back to the force, they, uh, go to free fall teams, um, or they apply for the black daggers, um, and then, you know, help try to build the force up, uh, with their newly learned skills and abilities. Yeah. No, that's,
0: that's interesting and random, but I was just super curious. You ever put any thought, any thought into going to that organization or, or not? Oh, the black daggers. Yeah. Uh,
1: so yeah. Um, when I was trying to find an instructor, an, an instructor role, the criteria was basically like, Hey, what's going to keep me home more? you know, I'm trying to be selfish this time in the army and I still have guilt over it to being selfish for the family. Uh, but, uh, the black daggers, they, they host show or they perform at shows and events and they travel a lot. Yeah. Kind of, you know, weeded itself out, um, out here. It's basically just residency and I go into work, jump and I come home. Yeah. It's the,
0: it's the coolest job in the world for sure. And you get paid to do it every day. I mean, like I said, in the beginning, you know, 99.9% 99.9% of the people only ever get to do that in video games and you wake up every day and get paid to do it. It's, that's the coolest thing. But, uh, dude, as, as we wrap up here, I just got one last question. I, I hit this with all the guests and I'm, I'm super interested in your answer because I think you're living just an incredible life, dude. John McElroy is living the perfect life.
1: What does that look like? My son is born this month in good health. Same. Uh, Same. Yeah, the. uh my my wife and daughter are happy and healthy. Um, we have no financial burden, and we're able to help others, whether it's financially, educationally. My wife's a teacher; she's phenomenal. Um, well, she she's now in uh, administrative role, but she's phenomenal for the district. Um, she's super lucky. Uh, I'm super lucky. But I I think the the perfect life would be, um, the the no stress of financial burden. And what I mean by that is like I can pay my bills. The income is steady and secure. I don't need to be a millionaire. Um, obviously it'd be nice. Um, however, uh comfortable is basically the, the perfect life. Yeah, dude. I mean, I just love that.
0: And and not just like obviously financially free, but giving back and helping other people out there is an incredible aspect of it. So, dude, I, I can't thank you enough. Like I know. Your your schedule on day to days is, is crazy, so I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on here tonight. And I, no doubt in my mind, we added a ton of value and and talking mindset. I I love talking mindset, and again, to have a guy on that has double digit combat deployments and senior NCO, it was cool to pick your brain on a lot of aspects, dude. So I appreciate all the awesome uh, nuggets of advice that you gave us tonight. And again, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on. Absolutely, anytime, dude. Dude, you're the man. I appreciate it. If I ever get to uh, jump out of an airplane at 13,000 feet, dude, I hope it's with you. And uh, who knows if our paths will cross, dude. But I appreciate you taking time. I had a blast tonight. And uh, yeah, thanks again, dude. We're on, man. Hey, thanks again for listening
1: to the Wealth
0: Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.